Welcome. We are so glad you have joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Awesome. You can take a seat. Uh, my name's Peter, as uh, Rach said, and uh, also, uh, you know, welcome here today. If you are here for the first time at Bayside, we love you. If you're brand new here over the last few weeks, hope you're enjoying church and loving church. If you're listening uh, online today or watching online today, um, great to have you with us as well. And if uh, you're listening on podcast, um, great to have you listening. I pray that God would speak to you today. I just want to, a few weeks ago we had... Uh, Empower Conference, and the theme was Wind and Fire, and I, uh, I want to flow with that theme again today, and, uh, and, and I spoke at conference, but I've uh, just adjusted the message slightly, and many of you weren't at conference, so you didn't hear that message anyway, but I want to talk on the theme of Wind and Fire. And uh, wind and fire, uh, they basically, they're two things that represent the Holy Spirit. And wind and fire, supernatural wind, supernatural fire, is actually all through the Bible. If you start to go looking for it, you'll see there's many stories, there's many things that happen, there's many events that happen where there's fire. There's physical fire, but it's a supernatural physical fire. And there's a, there's a wind, it's a physical wind, but it's a supernatural wind. And so, and often over every time you, you, know, you see that happen, there's a wind or a fire after it, incredible miracles take place because it's a supernatural event and God's in it. So I just want to read a couple of things to you today that are a couple of stories and a couple of events that happen to do with wind and fire. In Exodus 14, 19 to 22, it says this, And the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. So this is the story where Moses had gone to Egypt, finally, after a whole lot of plagues, a whole lot of stuff going on. The, Israel, the uh, Egyptians said, look, just get out of here, take all the people. A couple of million people are moving through the desert. And then finally, you know, Pharaoh gets, he goes, what's going on? We can't have all these people leave. They're all our slaves. We need them or whatever. They start pursuing them and they, all, and they come to the, the sea, the Red Sea. And so they're like, what are we going to do? We're stuck here and the Egyptians are behind. And we read that the, moon, uh, that the cloud, uh, sorry, the, the angel of God moved to the rear of the camp where they were camped. And the pillar of cloud, also moved from the front and stood behind them. It was a pillar of cloud and fire and that, that moved with them through the desert, which was, would have been fairly spectacular to have that. Just, it's just like God saying, hey, I'm here. It's all good. Uh, just letting you know, I'm just in that big cloud over there that's burning. Um, and it's that phenomenon that's going on every day. And so the cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire. Lighting up the night, but the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. Do you not realize how strong that wind would have to be and what would have to happen for that to happen? I've been out in the boat in a very strong wind. I've been, in, I've been on the sea in about wind that was 65 kilometers an hour on the ocean. It gets very rough but I have never seen the ocean part which was a good thing so and even in shallow water like you can it's kind of like you could get a little puddle of water and like you blow really hard on a bench when the water's like this this deep and you can part the waters you can do exactly what God did you know you can blow and the water parts you amen thank you and so you can you can do that 
but it's nothing like this. And so we're talking about, you know, we're talking about a sea. We're talking about, and then some people say, you know, it was a shallower part of the sea. Oh, that's fine. Do you realize how much wind there'd have to be, even if it was this deep? How much wind, an incredible amount of wind. And so it's not a natural wind. It was a supernatural wind, a supernatural event. Part to sea and blew all night long and dried the ground. It wasn't even muddy. God sorted it all out, you know. And so there's these walls of water they walked through. And so the strong east wind blew, dried the seabed. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Just a few things to point out. The cloud turned into fire. We're talking about wind and fire. A supernatural event of fire in the Bible, representing God's presence, representing the Holy Spirit. It wasn't an ordinary cloud. It was His glory representing His presence. A strong east wind that parted the sea. It wasn't an ordinary wind. It was a supernatural wind. God's Spirit was in the wind. Wind and fire are common representatives all through the Bible of the Holy Spirit and God's presence being there. God showing up. We see many effects of the wind. We see God, you know, and after that, you know, the miracle was they walked through the sea. That was the miracle. And then after that was miracle after miracle after miracle happened all through the desert, what God did and what he provided. Then we talk about fire. You know, I like fire. I love sitting around a campfire. I love making fires, lighting fires. Bigger the better. Um, I don't use petrol because that's dangerous. But I like making fires. And, uh, and I've, you know, who's ever been to a massive bonfire? I, mean, I went to a bonfire once and the wood pile was as big as this church building we're standing in. And no joke, and someone's property out the back of Harvey Bay. If you did it now, you'd be in a lot of trouble. They'd probably be, you'd be in jail or something for burning too much wood, probably. But this, seriously, the pile of wood was so big. It was so, and they lit it, right? I think they lit it with petrol. Um, but they lit it, and like we were a long way away. There was a felon's birthday party, and they lit it, and it got so hot. You, could, you would be on the, on the other side of our kids' church to get, you couldn't get any closer than that because the heat was too much okay and so that's a natural fire and so we're you know just get the picture of fire but you know i love fires not that big but smaller campfires and there's something mesmerizing about being around a fire i think the guys are going to throw up a picture in a minute of a of a campfire but you know you sit there and you can look at look at a fire you know you look at that and the stars in the background and uh you know you look at that and you kind of a bit of static over the screen as well that's all good and so i can remember uh, you know, some of the greatest encounters of, with God that I've had was sitting around a campfire. I can remember years ago, I was in something called Royal Rangers, uh, which is still runs today in America and parts of Australia, which is like a Christian uh, scouts type thing. It was a great program. And we go on one of these camps, they call them powwows, and um, we'd be on the other side of Brisbane, somewhere at a property, they may still own that property, and we'd do all these activities or whatever. And I, you know, I can't remember, I was about 11 years old, I can't remember all the activities I did, but I do remember one, one night we were in this like um, natural amphitheater. It was like on the sides of a dugout hill and, um, and in the middle they lit this fire, this large fire and there was, a, there was a guy there, a couple of guys playing acoustic guitar and singing and I remember the most powerful encounters with God and worship happening in that place. And I remember sitting, I was right up the back and there was about four or five hundred kids there sitting in this area. We're all like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old and they're all just engaged in God's presence. And I can remember looking around and, and it's like, and we, we, I, can, I can still, you know it's real because I can still remember the song we were singing. I can still remember the words that we sang. These are some of the words I remember as I looked around and it said, it said this, The Spirit is falling. The Spirit is falling on me. 
like the wind on the mountains blowing over me, like fire from heaven falling on me, fire burning in my soul like fire on the earth, the Spirit gives me heaven's birth. And we were singing this song really real quietly, and I remember looking around, and there's kids weeping in the presence of God and the power of God. And so we were sitting around a fire. You know, it wasn't like we didn't have a whole lot of stuff there. We wouldn't have a full band. We didn't have a, he didn't even have a great preacher. It was just like the presence of God filled the place. But I, you know, love sitting around the fire. And there's something about fire that engages you. And, and so fire in the Bible supernaturally represents the Holy Spirit. And fire does a couple of things, both naturally and supernaturally. The first thing it does is naturally fire gives life. And so if you're, you know, been camping, I've been camping and then I haven't had cooking gear, so I've cooked on the fire and so it brings life. You can cook things on the fire, it brings light, it, it brings life in situations. You know, you know, hundreds of years ago, you know, everyone cooked on the fire, you know, that was fire was their life. The first thing you do when you're somewhere, you light the fire, you had to light the fire or when you were before electricity, you'd light the fire, get the stove going in the house or whatever and, and it was, was warm, it kept you warm on a cold night, it also cooked your food, so fire gives life fire also i mentioned this before when i was praying for the transformation guys that that fire also burns up the rubbish so you can throw all your bits of twigs and stuff and dead material in the fire and it burns it all up burns up dead stuff it burns up stuff we don't need you collect all your small twigs and leaves and things and and you can start a fire with it and it quickly burns them up so fire burns up rubbish and so in the natural it does it but supernaturally God's Holy Spirit fire brings life to you it brings life we we live in a world that is desperately seeking life they're seeking in many different ways but they don't they they try things and do things but it's when they encounter life through the spirit of God the fire of God it changes everything it changes everything and also at the same time Sometimes it's, it's not always comfortable, but God's fire will also then deal with the stuff we don't need. He'll come in and it's, and it's almost like you've got to give him permission to do that. You can go, oh, I don't want to, don't touch that. I'm just hanging on to that thing just in case. I might need, I might need to still do that. Or I might need, and, but you just got to, when you lay it down, you're saying, God, take, take from me everything I don't need. Burn up what I, and you've got to give permission to do that. It's like your, your heart is opening up to God. Your spirit's opening up to God saying, here, God, you take what I don't need. And he'll start to strip things away and he'll, he'll, he'll either leave with what you need or he'll replace those things with, through his spirit, all the things, his life. The same fire that takes away will also give life. The same fire that takes away will also give life. And so we're talking about wind and fire today. And there's an incredible encounter uh, in the Bible. And we sang a song, Holy Ground, today. I didn't realize we were singing that song, but it fits perfectly what I'm about to talk about today. And uh, there's an experience in the Bible about the burning bush in Exodus 3, 1 to 4. And I want to talk a bit about Holy Ground today and a bit more about this. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. This is before he went to Egypt. This is before God had said, go and free the people. Moses is, Moses is out in the wilderness going, what am I doing with my life? He's fled Egypt. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's out there just working for his father-in-law. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. 
Okay, I want you to remember all these things. There's a pillar of fire. There's a blazing fire. God appearing in different ways. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? So it was normal and still is in those desert regions that the trees and small bushes burst into flames because it gets so hot they combust and they actually catch fire. So that wasn't, that wasn't the thing that grabbed his attention. The thing that grabbed his attention is that it was on fire but it wasn't burning up. It should have like burn up quickly or whatever and burn and then the fire dies down but it stayed alight and nothing was burning up and he said that is amazing. Why is that not burning up? And so he had to go and look at the phenomenon of what was happening. He's going, this is not an ordinary bush. This is not an ordinary flame. This is not an ordinary experience that I've seen before. Why isn't it burning up? He said, I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, so a few things happen here. Suddenly, not as only is the bush on fire and not burning up, but then the bush begins to speak. That will always get your attention. If you're walking down the esplanade and a tree starts talking to you, just one or two things. Um, anyway, so <laughs> could be God, it could be something else as well. Anyway, moving right along. Um, and so, you know, and so like, you know, it's not something we, we see. I haven't had a tree or a bush talk to me, okay? So it wasn't about the tree or tree. It was that God was spirit was in that fire. God's spirit. And he just, spoke, uh, just chose to get Moses' attention by speaking out of this bush, the presence of God. And so he gives, begins to speak to him. And then he says, hey, Moses, you know, this is holy ground. It's holy ground. So the uncommon fire, the other fire that didn't burn at the bush up, gets his attention. And God drew Moses close enough to then, for Moses then to hear his voice. And, you know, when the fire, you know, the fire of God gets people's attention. It's a Holy Spirit fire. When God's fire gets on your life, you don't need to try and, you know, show people Jesus or tell people, I say, I need to tell them about this. If when the fire of God is on your life, people will see it before you say a word. People will see something different about you. They'll actually feel God's presence upon you before you even speak to them when you carry the fire of God. I remember the New Testament, Peter was walking up a street and there was people that were sick everywhere and they said, and they were laying people down that were sick on the side of the street and as he walked by, he said, he's, he's shadow. As he walked by, his shadow, like my shadow there, every time his shadow touched someone, they miraculously healed. It wasn't about his shadow, it was just that he carried the presence of God. And they were just close enough to get the overflow of the presence. Because Peter carried the fire of God. Because he'd allowed the fire to burn up all the junk in his life. And he allowed the life of the Holy Spirit to fill him. And now he carried the presence of God. And God wants to do exactly the same thing with every single person in this room. You don't have to be someone 
super spiritual or special or a pastor or do Bible college or anything like that, God can fill every single person in this room with his fire if you want him to. And so the uncommon fire grabbed Moses' attention. And, but before you, know, you receive the fire, there's something else that needs to happen and God brought that to Moses' attention. It's that where the God's presence is, God said, it's holy ground. He said, Moses, stop. This is holy ground. And he asked him to do something. He said, take off your shoes. Take off your sandals. Why, why did God, have you ever thought why God asked him to take off his sandals? Why did he need to do that? Why did he need to do that? Yeah. And so in the Old Testament, the, you know, a way of respect and honor, and also in other Asian countries, even to today, to respect and honor someone, you would take off your shoes. And so it was a sign that God was saying to Moses, will you humble yourself in my presence by taking off your shoes? And so he did. He took off his shoes. And so that then he walks into God's presence. And when God begins to speak to him and say who he is, and Moses begins to understand, he even covers his face out of reverence for God and respect for God because he realized that I'm in the presence of the King of Kings. I'm in the presence of the Lord of glory. I'm in the presence of the one who speaks, the one who you know, can do miracles, the one that I've heard people talk about, the one I've seen. And so he realized that he was face to face with God. That was like one of his first encounters with God. There was one of many in Moses life and one of the first things but he's by himself in the middle of a desert at, the, at this mountain of God and suddenly God is speaking just to him in that place and he begins to speak to him about what he wants him to do with his life but he says this is holy ground so as an act of humility take off your shoes Moses here's a question what do you need to remove out of your life that is stopping you from humbling yourself before God in reverence to Him. Because every time we walk into this building, every time we walk, and it's not about a building, but every time we worship, every time we, wherever that's here, outside, wherever it is, every time we lift up the name of Jesus, His presence is in the place. And that the picture is that where His presence is, is holy ground. And I think sometimes that it's so easily, so easy to forget that God is a holy God. So easy to forget that we need to show him reverence and holiness. That when we come with humbleness of heart, when we remove the things that stop us make, from being humble, it's something God suddenly then speaks and comes in. He suddenly begins to speak to us and, and his life fills us like never before because we humble ourselves and say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. I'm not, I'm not coming to church just for other people. I'm coming here to meet with you. You're my first priority. When you're... When you're spending time with him every day when you're wherever you may be it's like god i'm putting you first i humble myself god what do you want to say what do you want to do through my life what do you want to say to me today lord i lay my life down before you and so god is saying to moses i'm a holy god i'm a holy god and where i am is holy in my presence it is holy it's not about being perfect you don't have to be perfect moses wasn't perfect but we humble uh, ourselves, uh, is, a, is having a humbleness for God or humbling our own lives is a deep respect for God. And when you live this way, God will transform you day by day. And so it's not about being, oh, I've, I've got to get all my life together and be telling God's presence, I've got to have it all right. No, you don't. Come to Him as you are. 
Jesus has paid the price. This is before Jesus came. Jesus has paid the price for all our sin. But we still come. We can come as we are. And we can humble ourselves and, and to having a respect and deep respect for God. Because I've found that when we do that, that's when the fire comes. That's when God's Spirit is poured out in great measure. When a people come to God humbly, honestly before God, saying, God, here I am. I haven't got it all together. I'm not perfect. But God, change me. God, make me new. God, transform me. And God will do it day by day and bit by bit. He'll, his, his fire will just burn off. You don't need that anymore. He'll start to remove that away. But you need this and he'll give you fresh living life. And it's like the fire of God, the power of God comes and renews you and helps you and strengthens you. He'll remove what he needs to remove and he'll fill you with what you need to be filled with and so God speaks to Moses and says this is holy ground to to, what does it mean to be holy sometimes the, what does that word mean that's like a big religious word no holiness simply means is only mentioned a few times in the Bible in this way and it's now and it's in the New Testament as well to be holy means to be set apart set apart for a purpose set apart from a lifestyle of sin God doesn't want you to live in darkness and sin and brokenness. He wants you to live holy, which means separate from sin. He wants you to live the way Jesus lived. God wants us to live a set-apart life, set-apart to live a different way to the world around us. So our world around us generally is, is caught up in a sinful, you know, a sinful way of life and a life that I'll just do whatever I want to do and, you know, it ends up going down tracks of cause brokenness, hurt and pain and we all aware of that kind of stuff and God says there's a better way to live. There's, I have a better way to live and if everyone in this world that's living that way, I don't want them to live that way. I want them to live in wholeness. I want them to live in without brokenness. I want them to live in, in freedom and there's a better way and so Jesus came and showed us the better way to live. Jesus has a better way for you. And holiness just means you're set apart for a purpose. He's given all of us gifts, all of us abilities. It's like when you lay them down, you set apart your life. And that's being holy, saying, God, work with everything you've given me, all my gifts and abilities that you've given me. I pray, Lord, I'd use them for your glory, to lift up your name and for your kingdom to be lifted up and to grow and increase. We live either two ways in our world. Here's the two ways we live. We either live our way or we live Jesus' way. If you want to make it real simple, we either live life our way, which means I want to do what I want to do, and that will lead to always away from God because I want to do it my way, and our way work can work at times, and often we get ourselves in a whole lot of trouble. Everyone understand that? Um, does that make sense? And so we can live our way, and I just want to do my thing. No, don't tell me what to do. I'll, I'll do my way, and if you let someone go, they'll you know, sort of hit a few brick walls and do this, that, another, and they'll kind of get themselves into trouble. Looks like fun, looks like good, but all of a sudden I'm in a bit of a mess because I went and did it my way. So we either live our way or we live Jesus' way. One is set apart for God and one is set in sin that keeps us bound. If we live our way, eventually you're, just, you're not controlling your life. Sin is controlling your life. And But when you're laying down your life to God, you're setting yourself apart. And because of what Jesus has done, he sets you free from sin and death. And he walks, he walks you into freedom. He walks you into freedom. So Jesus came and lived a different way. He was naturally supernatural. He, he related to everybody. As Christians, we should relate to everybody. We shouldn't be weird and wacky and 
say things that a lot of people go, what was that? You know, we need to, we should be natural. Everyone loved to hang around Jesus, except the people, except the religious people that wanted their own way and wanted their way and they felt threatened by him. But you people, it didn't matter their background, who they were, they were doing some terrible things. People wrote them off and Jesus, they, but they would hang out with Jesus. They would want to be around him because he was naturally supernatural. He demonstrated holiness as a lifestyle. Jesus was totally holy in everything, in the way he spoke, in what he did, the way he acted. He showed holiness. He, it wasn't like in a, in a way that you have to do this, have to do that, and say this prayer at this time. and do. He, he you know, had some regular things that he did, but he just showed it naturally. He said, if you want, this is what the kingdom of God's like. This is how you live life. This is what God's talking about. And he just broke it down to make it so simple. If you read through the Gospels, so simple. So anyone could understand what he was talking about. So he demonstrated holiness as a lifestyle. The way he spoke, the way he treated people was so amazing. Totally in that culture, so different to anyone else. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's when the miracle started and began to speak. And he began to speak to the crowd. So when he was filled... It says when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. But it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him, if you like, with fire, that he began to speak to people and miracles began to happen. Then we look forward in time from we were talking about Moses in the Old Testament. And we read in Acts 2, 1 to 13, another example of wind and fire. Maybe the one that most people would relate to. On the day of Pentecost was being filled, fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Kind of like the wind in the, the part of the sea. The same wind, the same roar. I don't know if anyone's ever been in a... Four of, category four or five cyclone, but they reckon it's like outside your window is like the roar of a jet engine in the middle of that place. So it's a roar came in. You can hear it from a long way away. Then at all at once, a pillar of fire, like the cloud of fire we read in the Old Testament that uh, was there, appeared before their eyes. So there's same similarities in the Old Testament and New Testament. We see there's a, there's a pillar of fire, there's a cloud of fire, and it's God's same presence, His power, showing up. And it shows up in the middle of this place where they were. There was 120 of them gathered there. It appeared before their eyes. It separated. Then this one pillar separates into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them like, like the bush was engulfed, but they got engulfed. It says that they got engulfed. It's like this fire comes and just bang, hits them. They didn't burn up. It was a supernatural fire. Holy, the Holy Spirit fire, is not, you don't have to be scared of it. It's not going to burn you up. It's not going to harm you. It's actually going to fill you and equip you. And you're actually going to go, this is amazing. This is the, I, I need the Holy Spirit. I need his fire. I need his life every day. So there was fire. This is important. There was fire for each individual. Okay? There was fire. For, it was one. This pillar of fire comes, but then it separates to 120 individual fires. And it's not something you can receive or borrow or share from someone else. It's like, oh, can I have come, some of your fire? You know, can you pray for me so I get some of your fire? Well, actually, you don't have to do that because God does speak through people, but it's not, you're not going to get the fire from that person. God has 
fire for you. That's the Holy Spirit that gives it, not a person. And so someone can pray for you to receive it, but it's you're not getting theirs. You're not sharing. It's like, oh, I'll loan you some fire for a week or two until you get your own. No, they, they've got their own. God has individuals. It's very clear. God has individual fire, an individual fire of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is poured out individually for each and every person here because all of us have different gifts. All of us have different abilities. And so His fire fills us so that we would just, you know, our gifts and abilities are like enhanced. They're anointed. We're set apart. We're holy. We're anointed by the Holy Spirit to do what He has called us to do individually because what I'm doing is different to what God wants you to do. Some things are similar, but we're going to do it in different ways. And God, you have gifts and abilities that I don't have that God will use you to reach people that I can't reach. And so it split and went into individual tongues of fire to each person. So what does a fire look like? Someone's like, what, is, what does it mean? Does that mean I'm going to walk around and look like I'm on fire like a candle? No, you're not going to look like you're on fire like a candle. I haven't seen anyone uh, physically like that. They saw it physically, but it did something on the inside. The fire of God is something. The Holy Spirit fire is something that's on the inside of you. This is what it looks like. This is what I've seen. It's on the inside. It's a stirring of your spirit. It causes you to hunger even more for God. These are signs that the fire of God is in your life. It causes you to hunger even more for God. It empowers uh, your God-given gifts and equips you to do what God has called you to do. It helps you to do things you couldn't do before. Things you were trying to do in your own strength, you're going, this is not working. But when the power of God, the Holy Spirit gets upon you and the fire of God gets upon you, then suddenly you'll be able to do those things that you couldn't do before because he gives you supernatural strength to do it. Often you'll receive a heavenly language as a sign of being filled with the Spirit, but sometimes it will be evident in other ways, like the gift of healing. I've seen some people, majority of people, when they get filled with the Spirit, they'll speak in tongues. It's an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. But I've seen other people that haven't, and, uh, but they've re- suddenly received a gift of healing. I've known someone that got filled with the Spirit and they didn't speak in heavenly language, but they went and prayed for someone and, and miracles started breaking loose of healing all over the place. Later, they st- also started speaking in tongues. So it's not about, oh, you have to be, it has to happen this way or that way or whatever. It'll be evident in many different ways when the Spirit of God and fire of God is upon you. There's many gifts of the Spirit. It says they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues. These are the 120 in that place. So they, they spoke in tongues at evidence, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. The thing about God is that He always does things for a purpose. And this was the purpose of why they spoke in those languages on that day. Now at the time, there were Jewish worshippers who had ingra- um, immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. Let's listen to these where they're from. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it, w- it came from. So they didn't, they, didn't he- they didn't see the fire, but they heard the roar of the wind. That's what brought the whole city came running to this place. They heard the roar of the wind. There's a sound that comes, you know, when we worship. There's a sound that comes with a supernatural sound. That wasn't a, it was a physical sound, but it was supernatural at the same time that God allowed to just boom out. There's, a, so there's people that turn up to church here on a Sunday. Maybe you're here today, but we've, I've chatted to people and they, suddenly they're walking up the street and they stop. And they just turn and they go, oh, I need to go to that place on Sunday. I need to, and they just, they just arrive. And they, they said, I don't know why I'm here exactly. I just had to come. 
because there's a sound that goes out. There's a, there's, a, there's a drawing. It's like there's a supernatural fire and, and that's the kind of thing that happens. It stops people and they come back and they get um, drawn to God. They get drawn to God. Worship team, if you want to come on up. And so they heard the roaring sound. Crowds came running to where it was coming from. Stunned, uh, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in their own language. So that's why God gave them those languages. Each one. So they bewildered, it says, they said to one another, aren't these Galileans? In other words, like they don't know our language. How can they be speaking this? This is impossible. So how is it that we hear them speaking our own languages? We are, now listen where they're from, northeastern, northeastern Iranians, northwestern Iranians, uh, Elamites and those from Mesopotamia, Judea, east central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, north central Turkey, southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans and uh, who are natives neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. In other words, nearly the whole world was there. The whole known world at that time happened to be in that place at that time. People from all those people groups were there and God pours out his spirit that exact time and that, that way and fills them with a language and equips them with a language and they start praising God and lifting up the name of God and all these people groups hear them praising in their own language. God knows exactly what he's doing. He doesn't do anything by accident. Then Peter addressed the crowd, explained what was going on, explained, you know, there's some people there, looked at him and said, oh, they're just, they're just drunk. They're off, you know, there's always going to be people that will criticize. They can see the miraculous power of God. Let me tell you, they'll see the things of God, the mighty works of God, and they don't want to try and understand it because they've got to confront their own stuff in their life. So they will criticize it, and we see it happen in social media and stuff today, and people always, always be the group that will put people down, but they're always the small minority. They make a lot of noise, but they're a small minority. Don't get caught up in the negativity. Don't get caught up in what people may say about this, that, or the other, or, you know, God's not real, or God's not this, or God's not doing anything. Let me tell you, God is doing amazing things. There's things we don't know about happening in our world. So there's people being raised from the dead daily around our world. There's incredible miracles happening all over this um, South America and Africa. But we don't, the media never talks about it or we hear about it, but other groups seeing it all the time. And there's incredible things happening. God is doing amazing things all through different lands all around our world. And Peter gets up and speaks. 3,000 people listen and surrender their life to Jesus, saying, we want to be set apart. We want to know him. He begins to pray for them. And when the Holy Spirit, fire of God, comes upon you, it grabs people's attention. It was upon Peter, and he began to speak. Here's another thought, another miracle, that when Peter spoke, he couldn't speak in all those languages at the same time. So when he spoke in his own language, as he spoke to those same groups of people, the Holy Spirit translated everything he said out of his mouth, and it spoke to each individual language. Have you ever thought about that? I know a story that happened in Africa. A guy arrived, an evangelist arrived at a large meeting. Both, there was two interpreters. Both of them fell ill, couldn't make it. They had no interpreters. And he said, what are we going to do? And, he, and we can't, no one's going to understand what you're going to say. There's only a few people here that speak English. 
And so he really felt God say, just get up and speak anyway. And he got up and he began to preach. And as he spoke the words, everyone heard what he said in their own language. And miracles of healing started breaking loose in the middle of the meeting. And God just began doing all these amazing things. And everyone, people got saved. And he was asking questions, what's happening? Because he didn't know what was going on. But he just began to speak. And God, God can do anything. God can do anything. Don't ever limit what God can do. Don't ever limit. You know, some of you got family members and children that are away from God and you're thinking, man, are they ever going to come to know Him? Don't ever limit what God can do. God can do it in a day. He can do it in a moment. Just keep praying. Keep crying out for God. Keep seeking God. God is not limited by distance, situations or anything at all. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own strength. We've tried, you know, there's times in our lives where we've tried to do it in our own strength and realize, man, I can't do this. I can't do all this stuff. I need the Holy Spirit's strength. I need His help. Our world needs you and me to be filled with the Spirit so it reveals Jesus to them. Because that's what happens when you get filled with the Spirit of God, the fire of God that fills your life. It, it, like You carry the presence of God and everywhere you go, when you walk into a place, you walk into a building, and it's like you don't have to say anything, but they know, they know that there's something different about that person. They know There's something on your life that you're carrying that like it's, it's, it's attracting to me and they, it draws them to ask questions about what, why don't you say those things? Why don't you do those things? What's different about you? Because the Holy Spirit will actually go before you if you choose to be set apart. If you choose to humble yourself and lay down the things that have hindered you and you say, God, I haven't got it all together, but I lay it all down before you. Let your consuming fire come. Burn up what I don't need and fill me with the life of your spirit and fill me with everything I do need. One last scripture to finish. In Luke 3.16, it says this, but John, this is uh, John the Baptist, made it clear by telling them, there is one coming who is mightier than I. He is supreme. In fact, I'm not worthy of even being his slave. I can only baptize you in this river, but he will baptize you into the spirit of holiness and into his raging fire. Into the spirit of holiness. The Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit set apart. And into his raging fire. I talked about this a while ago now, but when fire is made, it needs three things heat, oxygen, and fuel. And supernatural fire is the same heat is God's power, oxygen is the wind of his spirit. We saw that in Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost. And the fuel for the fire is actually our hunger. And you will receive from God according to your hunger. You will receive, I can guarantee it, that God, when the hungry, the hungry you are, when I say hungry, you're saying, God, I want, I'm not, I don't want to stay where I am. God, I know there's more. God, I want to know you more. God, I desire, Lord, to you. I want to encounter your presence, not just for me, but for the people around me. God, I'm hungry for more. God, I want, I just, I'm not, I want to settle. I'm not comfortable with where I'm at. I'm not comfortable with just what I'm seeing at the moment. That my family needs saving. There's friends that don't know you. God, I'm hungry for more. God, I'm not, I'm not going to stop and settle back until I see that happen. God, I'm asking, will you heal that person? God, that person, will you raise that person up and heal that person from cancer? God, until I see this stuff happening, I'm going to keep hungering and saying, God, I know there's more. I've seen you do it. I've read you. You've done it before, so you can do it again. So that's what I'm talking about. Hunger for God. Hunger for God is not being settled, not being satisfied. 
God doesn't want a comfortable church. He wants a church that's on fire for Him. He wants a church and a people that are set on fire, carrying the fire of God, because that will change our nation. Not just our church, but churches, hundreds of churches, thousands of churches that carry God's presence. But it starts with you. It's just a personal decision to personally hunger. And when we come together on a Sunday, when we come together in life groups, when we all join together, it's something God comes in great power. Hunger. Hunger is fuel for God's spirit, His fire. There's so many stories in the Bible where people are so desperate for God where they hungered for Him. The woman who had bleeding for 12 years that was humbled herself, crawled on her knees, and he says, if I can just touch the hem of His garment, I think I'll be healed. And she goes in and just touches just the hem of His garment. And because she humbled herself and was reverent before God, she wasn't trying to make a scene or whatever, and it's the moment she touched the hem of His garment, power, flowed through Jesus and miraculously healed her. He stopped. He stopped. He stopped because, it, and then he's like, who touched me? And the job was like, you, you know, everyone's bumping into you, Jesus. What do you mean who touched me? He goes, no, someone touched me with hunger. Someone touched me with faith. That's what he was saying. Someone, because he said, I felt power flow out of me. Why weren't the others that were sick, that needed restoration, that were knocking in, why weren't they healed? Because they were, they were walking, they were there to watch the crowd, they were there to watch Jesus, get close to Jesus, look, it's cool, I'm around Jesus, get a selfie with Jesus, whatever they want to do. But she was there in desperate need. Desperate need. Saying, I'm so hungry, I've tried everything else, he's my only hope. Without getting anyone's attention, she crawls in. And the moment she touched the hem of his garment, she's healed. Because of hunger. Because of hunger. Because she believed Jesus had every answer that she needed. Blind Bartimaeus is the same. He hears Jesus walks past. Starts yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Starts yelling out. And people are like, shut up. Just stop being, don't bother him. He's not interested in you. That's what they're basically saying. Now, these are disciples of Jesus, not the 12, but others. Say, don't, don't be quiet. He's, he's got other more important things to do. And he, so he yells louder. He's like, he's hungry. And Jesus stops. And he says, bring him to me. And he says, what do you want? He said, I want to see in the moment. He says, we'll be healed. And he gets, he gets his miracle because he's hungry. He was, he was not going to stop. He was not going to just let the situation or circumstances or, or just being where he's at and say, well, I'm just going to settle for this. No, I know there's more. Jesus, this might be the only time that Jesus is walking past me. This might be the only time. So I'm going to yell and I'm going to yell and I'm going to yell. I'm going to cry out until he stops and heals me because this is my moment. I've, I've got no one else. It's just him. Jesus is saying, I want a church. That will not be satisfied. That will not just sit and go, oh, well, this is how it is. This is how our nation is. Just have to deal with it, have to live with it. No. He wants a church that cries out, yells out, 
willing to humble themselves and crawl past the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment, to, to be set apart in holiness and say, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna sit and settle and just, just accept what we see because we know there's so much more. We know God can do amazingly more than what we've seen. So, oh, we're gonna cry out, we're gonna reach out, I'm gonna humble myself, we're gonna cry out and hunger and say, God, God, there's more. Thank you for joining us. Bayside Christian Church Community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or on our social media pages at Bayside Christian Church.